Okay, if you're ready, say, oh yeah. We're in a series called The Fruit of the Spirit, and you know, we're, we're on part four, and of course, the fourth fruit is patience, but it's interesting that on Mother's Day, the fruit that we get to on Mother's Day is patience. Uh, Galatians 5.22 is our memory verse. We're going to read it good and strong, ready, go. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. So me preaching, uh, I'll give you the title. The title is, for your notes, Waiting Patiently. Waiting Patiently. Now, <laughs> dyslexic am I. And so... <laughs> Patiently waiting, you're right. I don't even know the title of my own sermon. That, that's, how much, that's how much it bothers me to preach on being patient and, and waiting. For those of you that don't know me, um, me preaching on patience is like me preaching on what it means to be five foot five or what it means to have blue eyes or what it means to be ugly. I have no idea how to get that. Now, my, my friend Mark, he could preach on those subjects, but I would not be able to preach on those things. And so I want to show you a video so that you, that was a good joke. That was a good joke, Miss V. I want to show you a video of what my life has been like ever since I was five years old. Uh, my mom told me at five years old, there was this lady that would pick me up for kindergarten, for school, and her son went there too. And if she was one minute late, my mom said at five years old, I would get in the car and say, what's wrong with you? Can you not be on time whenever you pick me up? Five years old. So I'm going to show you what it's like to be me living on earth with all of you. Take a look at this video. Well, I was hoping you could run a play for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine T H D zero That's what I feel like the time it takes y'all to Nine. text me back when I text somebody. T-H-D-0-3. T. H-D-0-3. H. D-0-3. D. Mm-hmm. Zero-three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. What do you call a... Three-humped camel. Three-humped camel. Pregnant. Priscilla. Oh, no. That's what yes. it's like working with y'all, too. I'm telling you. What? Do. It bothers me no. just watching this, honestly. A three-humped camel. Stressing me out. Okay, great. We got it. Please, just. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> it's really fun to work for me and be on staff here, by the way. There's a line of people just waiting, just waiting to work here. So, every one of us have dreams in our hearts and desires that God put on the inside of things we know need to come to pass in our lifetime that have to do with our destiny. We all have that. 
Uh, we know there's a healing miracle we've been praying for. There's a relationship miracle, uh, financial miracle. Uh, there's a loved one that we want them to come to Jesus. Or there's personal growth we want to see in our own life. We want to be a better Christian and we want to break this addiction. And we want it to happen now. We want it to happen right now. And so I'm going to teach you today how we're supposed to wait, why we have to wait, where we're supposed to wait. All that stuff will be answered for you. And um, I want to start with what I think is the greatest waiting story in the Old Testament. And in a little bit we'll get to the greatest waiting story in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's Genesis 15:4, where God told Abram or Abraham that you're going to have a child. And so when he heard this, him and Sarah, they were very, very old, but they believed. They knew it was impossible, but they believed that God could do it. After several years of waiting, Sarah got, and you might want to write this word down, she got discontent. Discontent. Discontentment will always get you out of God's timing. And you'll try to make matters happen in your own hands. And being out of God's timing is the exact same thing as being out of God's will. How do you know if you're out of God's timing and you're discontent? Well, if you have to have a lack of integrity to make it happen. If you have to go outside of the Word of God to make it happen, you're getting out of God's timing, and out of God's timing is out of God's will. And so Sarah, she was tired of waiting, so she came up with an idea to make it happen a lot quicker. In Genesis 16, 2, she said, The Lord kept me from having children. Funny, after God promised her she would have children, now she said, God kept me from having kids. She said, So sleep with, you know, the lady. She comes three times a week and does the floors and, you know, cleans the bathrooms. Her name's Hagar. Sleep with her, honey. That way she can have a child and we'll just raise that child. And it says, Abraham prayed about it for three days first. It says Abraham thought about it for a little while. And, oh, no, no. It says Abraham agreed with what Sarah said. He was way too excited to do this. Somebody's got to do it. I guess I'll do it. Sarah, you talked me into it. And so Hagar gets pregnant, and she has a son named Ishmael. Everybody say Ishmael. Ishmael was not the child that God promised. They got out of God's timing. There's a big mess. Hagar is mad at Sarah. Sarah's mad at Abraham. Abraham's like, I just did what you told me to do. It was not my fault. You can't. I was just submitting to my wife. That's all I was doing, and now you're mad at me. Uh, what I want you to see is they got in a hurry, and all this chaos occurred. It was so bad that Abraham had to kick Hagar and his own son out into the desert. And you might not know this. I'm sure most of you do. But the Muslim faith actually came from Ishmael. Let me say it a different way. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are in hell and have lost their lives on earth through fighting and war, all because one man and woman got out of God's timing. In Genesis 21, 2, 14 years later, when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah had a son named Isaac exactly at the time God had set. Now, here's what I want you to see about this story. Ishmael never got along with Isaac. They had to part ways. They couldn't even live in the same house. Discontentment always produces Ishmael's, and patience always produces Isaac's. The choice is totally yours to what you want to give birth to. See, a lot of the problems we have in life is we've given birth to Ishmael's. We knew God wanted it to happen. We prayed about it. We got tired of waiting, so then we take matters in our own hands. We do things outside of the will of God. We produce this problem in our life, and then we have to live with it and deal with it. Um, for some of you, if God gave you the promise today, it would destroy you rather than fulfill you because you're not ready. If God brought the money that you've been praying for, the financial blessing, into your life now because you're, you're not a tither, it's going to ruin your heart and actually take you away from Jesus. And he doesn't want that. 
If God brought that person into your life right now because you don't have the character God wants you to have in the future, you're actually going to turn that person away. The very person you've been praying for, you're going to lose because you're not ready. So what God does is he tests our faith along the way, not so he knows where we're at. He already knows where we're at. He tests our faith so that we know where we're at. He tests us to see if we're going to forgive, if we're going to tithe, if we're going to be faithful, all these different things to let us know where we're at in life. And the reason he tests us, because that produces the patience that we need to be able to see the miracle fulfilled. James 1, 2 says, consider it joy. This is a horrible scripture, by the way. Consider it joy when you encounter trials. Has anybody really considered it joy, by the way? Has anybody passed that test yet? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And I'll say it like this. Patience produces God's perfect plan. God's perfect plan requires faith, which comes from a relationship time with him. So if I can teach you how to wait today, how to patiently wait God's way, which a lot of you are already doing, then God will bring to pass what needs to come to pass in his perfect time. It won't be one second late. It'll come at the exact time if we're doing our part and waiting the way we're supposed to wait. Are you with me so far? Okay, three points for you today. Point number one for your notes is this. Be patient with yourself. How many of you are dying to break a habit or lose weight or change in some area and you're working as hard as you can and God, why isn't it happening right now? Philippians 1.6 says, He who began the good work in you. That he is referring to God, by the way. Your friends have not begun the good work in you. Your in-laws did not begin the good work in you. Whoever else is trying to fix you, change you, and mold you into their image, they never began the good work in you. God began the good work in you, and he will not stop until it is perfectly complete. So instead of struggling to change and struggling to fix yourself and struggling to grow, just spend time with the he who began the good work, and he will be the one who's going to finish it until it's perfectly complete. Our our job as Christians is not to change every day and fix ourselves and be a better person. Our job is to spend time with Jesus who changes us. Let me teach you something. Uh, Hebrews 1.1, Hebrews 10.19. In the past, the way God would speak would be through the prophets. You had to go through a prophet, a king, a judge, or a priest. But he says, now we have complete confidence to go directly to God by the power of the blood of Jesus. You don't have to go through me to hear from God. You don't have to go through your parents to hear from God. You don't have to go through an elder or a teacher to hear from God. You can go directly to God and say, God, what do you want me to do today? What area do you want to grow me in today? And here's the special thing about that. When God speaks to you about changing or growing or taking a step of faith, he will give you the grace and empowerment you need to do it. But that other person that's trying to fix you and change you, they're not going to give you the grace and power to do it. Because they're not the ones that began the good work in the first place. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. According to the Bible, what should all of us sheep hear? The voice of God. Which you can hear the voice of God. You can. If I asked you, why are you, in, why are you at this church? Well, God, to, how do you know? I just know God told me I was supposed to come here. Okay, you can hear from God. Why did you forgive that person three months ago and not six months ago? Well, because God told me, it was just, he just spoke to me. You can hear from God. Uh, In the book of Genesis, uh, God spoke to light, and light showed up at 186,000 miles per second. Adam heard the voice of God in the cool of the day. Noah heard God give him specific instructions on how to build a boat. Abraham heard God tell him the city to move to. 
Moses heard God from a burning bush. Balaam heard God through a donkey. The King James says ass. I love to say that from the pulpit. Joshua heard God tell him the number of times to walk around a wall. A prostitute named Rahab heard God. A child named Samuel heard God. A teenager named Jeremiah heard God. An adulterer named David heard God. Jehoshaphat heard God tell him when to sing. Gideon heard God tell him the number of men to take into a battle. Satan heard the voice of God in the book of Job. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke to sinners, tax collectors, fishermen, city leaders. He spoke to Saul through the clouds. He spoke to the wind and said, peace. Spoke to a fig tree and told it to die. Spoke to a fish and told it to swallow a gold coin. He spoke to a dead body named Lazarus and said, get up. And the dead body heard Jesus speak. If God can speak to donkeys, fish, light, Satan, wind, murderers, prostitutes, warriors, and dead people, God will speak to you if you will listen and ask him. So the question is not, does God want me to change? The question is, are you spending time with God every day? Some days he'll say, you know what, you're doing just fine and we're just going to encourage you and keep going. One day he'll say, you know what, that person you're upset about, you need to forgive them. One day he'll say, you know what, I want you to get more sleep. He'll speak to you if you listen. Hebrews 11, 1, I don't want to show that yet, my bad. Um, <laughs> this guy, true story, years ago he set out to swim across the English Channel. This is before anyone had ever done it before. And uh, it's 23 miles long. 23 miles long. It takes 12 to 14 hours to swim all the way across. It's extremely cold. There's always a strong current. It's very dangerous. There's jellyfish. in the. I remember one year we did baptisms, and I, we got jellyfish stinging. While we're getting it's scary out there. Sharks are out there. This guy's got to swim across it. Many people had tried, and, and no one had done it up to this point, and a lot of them died trying. This guy was in great shape. He was very determined. He started off so good, and hour after hour, he's swimming and swimming and swimming. He started to get tired. He was in great pain, but he just kept on going. Later in the evening, this unusual thick fog rolled in to where he couldn't even see but a few feet in front of him. He slowly started getting discouraged. He was freezing, lonely, depressed. He couldn't take it any longer. He waved the little boat to come and, you know, get him, and he gave up, and he just laid there in the boat. Once he got in, and they started going to the other side, much to his amazement, he discovered they were less than 50 yards away from the shore. Just a few more minutes, and he would have made history but he couldn't see because of all the fog. Sometimes the reason we give up on ourselves is we just can't see how close we really are. The enemy throws the fog in our face. There's somebody that's condemning us, telling us we're not doing good, all these things we feel, and God's saying, you might just be five minutes away just keep patiently waiting. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things we cannot see. It's when we can't see, that's where our faith needs to step in and say, just swim a little bit longer and you'll make it. Um, a friend of mine, several years ago, I was, gonna, I, was gonna, I was debating on whether to tell you if this happened at our church or not. I was going to tell you it was another church because I was embarrassed, but it actually happened at our church many years ago. A friend of mine... Um, he had been an alcoholic for, I think, 20, 25, maybe 27 years. And I've been trying to get him to church for years. Finally, he comes to church within three weeks because he came on an Easter. And then three weeks later, he gave his life to Jesus, gave his life to Christ. Within a week of him getting saved, God broke alcohol off of him just like that. I mean, he sobered up, 
started going to AA. He was so excited. He could not believe that he not only is he saved, but now he's not drinking anymore. He asked for a Bible. I've got him a Bible, taught him how to study it, and every day he's reading his Bible. Um, after a year of being sober, he had his chip, you know, and he was showing me in church, just, just overwhelmed with joy. Some yo-yo moron that doesn't even go to church here anymore went up to him one Sunday because he smelled like smoke, and they said, God wants you to stop smoking. And he was so discouraged. He came to me after church and said, John Paul, I just got say, I just got my year chip and I'm so and now I gotta quit smoking too. I said, Did God tell you to do that or did some person tell you to do that? He said, I, don't. I said, No, you know, listen to me. Did God tell you to do that? He said, I don't think so. I said, then let it go. When God wants you to stop smoking, he'll speak to you and he'll empower you to do so. He may never tell you to stop smoking. He may tell you to stop eating Doritos in bed. I don't know what he'll tell you, but it's God. He's got a plan. He's got a detailed plan for our lives. My friend stopped coming to church. He was so upset. It was like this weight was on him. And every time he walked in and walked by that person, he'd feel like a failure. Man, I, and, and if they only knew, our relationships would be so much better if we would focus on how far people have come rather than how far they need to go. Man, how much better would it be? Let me show you a scripture, okay? 1 Peter 4.15 says, Let none of you suffer as a, wait a minute, murderer? This is Mother's Day. Why would I bring that scripture up? A thief? No. An evildoer? We're talking to Christians. Oh, I see it now. In the same category with all those things is a busybody. Someone who meddles in the affairs of other people. Look at the person next to you and say, mind your own business. Some of y'all are so happy that I told you to say that to the person. Some of y'all think, I wish my mother-in-law would come to church today. Would have sat right next to her. Okay, point number two is this. You got to be patient with others. Just like you want people to be patient with you and you want them to encourage you, you have to do the same thing with them. Hebrews 10, 25, don't avoid coming to church. Let me tell you the reason we come together. Not to point out each other's faults. The reason we come together as believers, it says this, to encourage one another. Um, so the second greatest waiting story in the Bible is in the New Testament. It's probably the greatest waiting story. And it's the day of Pentecost and waiting for the Holy Spirit. So I have some questions. Um, um, where did they wait and how did they wait? Now, if I said where, most of you would say the upper room. You're half right. You're half right, okay? Luke 24, 48 and Acts 1, 4 tells us, um, and also let me say this too, a lot of people think that, that Jesus' last words before he ascended were go into all the world. That's not the last words he said. That's the last words Matthew recorded. The last words he said were not go. Actually, the last words he said were wait. When he ascended into heaven, and there's two accounts of this in Luke and in Acts, and it says this, he told him to wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the reason he said that is because if you go without the power, you're, you're no good. And actually, as a side note, the very first thing we're empowered to do when the Holy Spirit comes into our life is be a witness, it says in Acts. But anyway, okay, so where did they wait for the Holy Spirit? Everybody thinks the upper room, that's half right. Luke 24, 58 says they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And Acts 1.13 says the apostles returned to Jerusalem and went to the upper room of the house and continued in prayer. Both of these scriptures tell us, and if you study before and after, when they went to Jerusalem, here's where they waited, in the church and at home. They waited in the church 
worshiping, and they waited in homes praying. Um, in fact, in the upper room, there were 120 people there, 11 of the original disciples, apostles. And then, of course, Judas killed himself, so they brought in one more to take his place, which made 12. Then there were ladies, the Bible says, that followed Jesus. And then the mother of Jesus, Mary, which is another side note. Uh, the last place Mary is mentioned in the Bible is the day of Pentecost in the upper room, which is so beautiful. One of the greatest honors he could ever give his mother was she was there for the birth of Jesus Christ, and she was there for the birth of the body of Christ. The only person in history there for the birth of Christ and the birth of the church. So beautiful thing. Anyway, so there's a deeper principle here, right? They waited in church, praying, worshiping, and they waited at home in prayer. Acts 2.46, the believers were all in a Honda, because at the time they had Hondas. And if you need one, you go to East Coast Honda and see Mike Bellinger or Carol, and you'll be able to be like the disciples. And they worshiped together at the temple and in homes. Here's what I want to teach you. If you just have church on Sundays and there's no word getting in you during the week, you're missing out. You're not waiting the way God wants you to wait. If you're in your word during the week and you're not in church on Sunday, you're missing something and you're not waiting the way God wants you to wait. He says the best way we can wait, which is for the greatest promise ever given to the universe, is to be in church on Sunday and to be in prayer in your homes during the week. In other words, you should have church in your home as well. Um, and here's why. That has positioned you into a place where God can do what he needs to do in your life. Because you're in a position to hear from God, you're in a position to grow, to feel conviction, to be empowered. Now God can go out and make all the things happen that need to happen in your destiny at the perfect time. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, As we continue to behold the word of God, we are constantly being transformed into his very image from one degree of glory to another, which comes from the Spirit. Okay, you're not the Spirit, you're not the Spirit, and you're not the Spirit. There's one Spirit. So if this person who you're trying to fix and change and push, if they're in church on Sunday and they're in their word during the week, just shut up and be patient with them. Just like you want people to shut up and be patient with you. Because this great revelation that you got or this healing or this miracle you got, you didn't get it 20 years ago. You got it at just the right time God wanted you to have it. Let them get from God at the right time that God wants them to have it. Do, do, do you hear what I'm saying? Um, there's a, a true story. This woman, several years ago, when she was a child, her father sexually abused her all growing up. Horrible, horrible childhood. When she got of age, she very quickly got married, and her marriage did not work out at all. They divorced within a few years. So she married a second guy. The second guy she married, she made his life completely miserable. She would cuss him out, scream at the top of her lungs. She was bossy. She was rude. But this man was incredibly patient with her because she was in church every Sunday and she was in her little Bible studies with her godly friends during the week. But at home, he said she was like the devil. When she would scream, he'd be patient. When she'd cuss him out, he would just be peaceful. When she'd be bossy, he would just sit there and smile and say, I love you. This went on for 30 years, he said, sowing seeds and never getting a harvest until one day, all of a sudden, everything changed in her life. And today, Joyce Meyer and her husband, Dave, have a ministry that spans the entire globe. Joyce Meyer says, where would I be if Dave was not patient with me all those years? That person that you've been praying for, they could be the next Joyce Meyer. Why don't you stop pushing them and condemning them and just sit at home and pray for them sometimes? We need to stop being Holy Spirit juniors and start encouraging people to spend time with Jesus because he's the only one that can change somebody. 
Nobody, you can try your best to manipulate, control, guilt trip, and all that stuff. They will never change fully unless they spend time with the one who started the good work inside of them. Let me list for you all the ways that God reaches people without your help. Okay, this is without you doing anything but praying. Number one, his voice, spirit to spirit. Number two, the Bible, written word. Number three, circumstances. If they can't pay their bills, you know, obviously they'll know at some point they need to get a job or they need to use wisdom better. Number four, peace, Colossians 3.15. Number five, your conscience. Romans 9.1 says that uh, the Holy Spirit rules our conscience through visions and dreams. Acts 2.17, God says in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. If you want to write this on your handout, write, my pastor still has visions. Make sure you... My friend Mark, he's been having dreams for years, though. Okay, number seven, thoughts. He speaks to our minds. Number eight, angels. Number nine, animals, whales, donkeys, birds. Ten, supernatural manifestations. God will speak through a burning bush, a blinding light, fire from heaven. Eleven, natural manifestations. Romans, 9, uh, Romans 1.20 says, Ever since God created the world, His invisible qualities have clearly been seen through the things He's made. So people have no excuse at all. He does all of that without your help. So if you wonder if he's going to reach somebody, why don't you just pray for their Doberman Pinscher to say, you need to come to Jesus or something without you having to get involved. <laughs> he doesn't speak through cats at all. He's never once spoken through a cat. Not once. The Satan speaks through cats. <laughs> so true story, there was, this, there was this, man, Mother's Day. I should not have made a cat joke on Mother's Day. Golly, that was not good. All you old ladies that are single with all those cats, I'm so sorry. God bless you. God bless you. I'm, I'm sure Jesus loves you. And there was, this, uh, there was this mom in Ireland, and she told how for years she prayed for her teenager to come to Jesus, and he, just, he was so rebellious, wouldn't do it. She would play Billy Graham in the background every time he came on, hoping that he would hear something from Billy Graham and, you know, somehow, you know, come to God. And he just, he wouldn't do it. He got a little bit older, ended up, you know, getting a job and then going out and, and working. Well, in 1972, during the conflict that was in Northern Ireland, Billy Graham wanted to visit Belfast. And he wanted to evangelize out on the streets one-on-one. -on -one. His security was very concerned with all the stuff going on. Uh, but Graham, he didn't want the security to be a distraction. So he said, no, I'm going by myself. So Billy Graham agreed to put on a pair of sunglasses and a hat so nobody would recognize him. And he just kept walking out on the war-torn streets of Belfast telling people about Jesus. At one point, Billy Graham started sharing his faith with this fighter who was down in the bunkers. It was the young man whose mom had spent all those years praying for him. Graham was so passionate telling this man about Jesus and how much God loved him. Finally, the man got tired of listening. He said, listen, I'm not trying to be rude. I don't care to hear anything you're telling me. In fact, the only person I'd ever listen to talk about Jesus is that American minister named Billy Graham. He said, if I ever meet that man, I may end up changing my mind. Billy Graham took off his hat, took off his sunglasses. He held out his hand and said, hello, my name's Billy Graham, and today is your day of salvation. <laughs> Listen, God will find a way for every praying mom to see her kids come to the Lord. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Lord, you're the potter. 
you're not the potter, you're not the potter, you're not the potter, you're not the potter. There's one potter. Every one of us in this room are the clay. And only he can mold us into his image. Point number three for your notes. Be patient with God. Be patient with God. He, uh, Habakkuk 2, 3 says, The vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it earnestly. For it will come true right on time. One translation says it won't be one second late. Not one second late. So if God has an appointed time, if God has a, a perfect time, if God has a right time, that means any other time is the non-appointed, imperfect, and wrong time. That's why our job is just to spend time with Him, church, during the week, and let Him do all the things behind the scenes that need to be done. Uh, my favorite minister of all time, and please don't write me an email, okay? I don't care what you think. I'm the one that has the microphone, um, is, uh, is T.D. Jakes. I think he is the greatest communicator of the Word on planet Earth right now at this time, my personal opinion. Uh, T.D. Jakes spent years just preaching to about 100 people in West Virginia. One day, God spoke to him and said uh, that you're going to preach to millions of people one day. When he heard that, he didn't get distracted. He didn't get discouraged because it wasn't happening. T.D. Jakes told how he just prayed every day and thank God for his future. He was preaching to 100 people every Sunday, staying faithful, doing his thing. One day, this guy from Tulsa was having a, a little conference with some pastors, and he invited T.D. Jakes to come and speak, and he agreed to do so. That pastor in Tulsa had a local television show, and whenever all the speakers of the conference were done, there were 10 speakers, he got each one edited down to three minutes per speaker and put them in a 30-minute segment on his program. When it aired... The president of TBN at the time, Paul Crouch, president of Trinity Broadcasting Network, which is the, the number one Christian television channel in the world, reaches all over the globe. He just happened to be near Tulsa in a hotel room, flipping the channels, and he flipped by that channel where it was showing that show, and he just watched. It just happened to be in the middle, right there where T.D. Jake's three-minute edited-down sermon was showing. When he saw T.D. Jakes, Paul Crouch called his office. He said, I don't know who this guy is. I've never seen him before. I want you all to find him and tell him that I want him to have his own program on our network. That one moment forever changed T.D. Jakes' life. One Sunday, he's preaching to 100 people. The very next week, he was preaching to 100 million people all over the world. But I want you to think about all the details that God had to work out for that perfect time. Uh, the, the pastor had to invite him to speak in Tulsa. Paul Crouch had to be around that area to have the local program shown on television. If Paul had gotten up to pee, he would have missed it. If he had decided to make a sandwich or order room service, he would have missed it. All of that worked out for God's plan to come to pass. Isaiah 40, 31 tells us what we gain by waiting. They that wait upon the Lord, they'll have their strength renewed. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll be able to run and not get tired. They'll walk and they won't faint. Now, I want you to see something. That word wait there, you see it? You could put the word serve there. You know, when you go to a restaurant and you have a waiter or a waitress, they're there to serve you. I think it's saying the way we wait is just keep serving God. With the addiction, serve Him. With the bad attitude, serve Him. With the dream not fulfilled, serve Him. Just serve God and let Him do His part. 
Um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible I'll close with. Uh, in 2 Kings, there was a, a woman and her husband. They desperately wanted a child, and they couldn't conceive. So Elisha prays for them, and they're able to conceive. Within a year, they have a little boy. <clears throat> Ten years goes by. And the 10-year-old boy is out in the field, you know, working with his dad. He gets a fever. His father brings him inside. Within a few hours, the little boy dies. And so the mother, she gets on her donkey, and she heads toward Elisha. Elisha's servant at the time, Gehazi, he sees this woman coming as fast as she can. The, 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 the dirt's just billowing in the air. She's riding it. And he goes up and says, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? She said, no, everything's okay. I need Elisha. He says, there's something wrong with your husband. He said, it's just fine, I need Elisha. Is there something wrong with your child? Nope, it's just fine, I need Elisha. She gets to the man of God, which represents God, of course. She says, my, my son's dead. He comes back to the house, prays for her little boy. The boy rises from the dead. Several years go by, <clears throat> Elisha passes away. There's a famine in Israel. I think it's in 2 Kings 4, somewhere around there. And there's no rain, people are starving. So this woman and her son, they have to leave their home and go live in the land of the Philistines. After seven years, the famine's over and she comes back. When she gets back to her house in Israel, there's somebody living in her home. There's somebody farming her land, stealing her crops. What's she going to do? It says in uh, 2 Kings 8, 3, at the end of the seven years, the woman comes home. She sees people living in her house, so she decided to go to the king of Israel and appeal. What's she going to say to the king? How is he going to believe her? Plus, she's a woman. Back then, it was very difficult. She could have been stoned to death or, or beheaded just by walking in the palace. Was oh, I promise it was my house. Yeah, there's people living there. I promise seven years ago it was mine. You know, we carved our name somewhere in the door. What's she going to say? How's she going to prove it? The king <laughs> was sitting on his throne, just hanging out. If I modernize it, he was flipping the channels on TV. There's nothing on. He's getting on Facebook, all kind of bad stuff. So he looks over in the palace, and he sees Gehazi, Elisha's old servant. He says, yo, Gehazi. He says, what is it, king? He says, didn't you serve that great prophet, Elisha? Yeah, 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 he was a great guy. I want you to come entertain me a little bit. Tell me one of the greatest miracles you saw Elisha do. The case, I says, well, let me tell you, there was this couple. They wanted a child so bad, couldn't have one. Elisha prayed, they conceived. Ten years later, the boy dies. I saw him dead. He was dead as a doornail. And Elisha prayed for him. And he rose from the dead. The king said, are you kidding me? He says, I saw the whole thing take place. I know it happened just like that. Verse 5 says, at the very moment Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha brought a dead boy back to life, the woman whose son was brought to life and her son walked in. If she had walked in a day earlier, it wouldn't have helped. If she had walked in five minutes before, it wouldn't have. It was like God was directing a movie. He had this plan that he wrote out for her life. He says, okay, don't let her come yet. Angels, hold her back. Okay, cue the music. Let the king ask Gehazi. Get to the miracle part. There's the climax. Tell that the boy was raised back to life. Once he's shocked, open up the doors and have her walk in right on time. She walked in, in verse 6, it says the king restored everything that was hers, including the money her crops had made since the day she left Israel. 
of all the stories Gehazi could have told, of all the times the king could have asked, of all the days in history this could have happened, God worked it all out and was right on time. Galatians 6, 9 says, Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. At the appointed time you will get the reward if you don't give up. When we make the decision that we're going to serve in church and spend time in the Word and prayer during the week, God begins setting every appointed time He can for your life on His calendar. And I've learned God owns everything but a watch. I bought him one one Christmas and he threw it away. Um, but he's never late. He's right on time. So here's my encouragement for you today. Just wait patiently. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We never like to close the service out without giving the Holy Spirit a chance to speak to you directly one-on-one. I believe that you can hear the voice of God. Nothing will change unless you hear that voice. Nothing matters unless you can hear that voice. If you're here today, and there are some things that you know God wants to do in your life, and you have not been patiently waiting, Maybe you've been producing some Ishmaels and you want to get back to God's perfect will. You just lift your hand so I can pray for you right now. Hands up, 30 seconds. Lord, I thank you for doing what only you can do in our life. God, every hand that's raised that has the faith to say, "I, I can't even breathe without your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that you have to do the work and we're asking you right now. Forgive us for getting out of your timing. Forgive us for trying to push things. Lord, we want your will and we want it at the time that you have set. So forgive us for waiting the wrong way. And we thank you that waiting the right way is actually fun and encouraging and enjoyable. We get to spend time with the greatest love of all. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for marking on your calendar every single dream that you put in our heart. Convict us daily to just keep on swimming. We could be just a few minutes away. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Let's stand to our feet.